Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. This is the Aggie Coaches Show with Coach Craig Smith, brought to you by Old Chicago Pizza and Taproom, Cash Valley's Pizza and Craft Beer Authority, Macy's, Happy Shopping, Guild Mortgage, Own What Matters, and by Locker 42, your source for Aggie apparel. Live from Old Chicago Pizza and Taproom, here's the voice of the Aggies, Scott Gerard. Hey, welcome in. It's another edition of the Craig Smith Coaches Show as we are live here at Old Chicago here in Logan. We'd love for you to come by here and uh, if nothing else, grab a bite to eat and watch the uh, national championship game as, uh, you know, when we uh, put these schedules together, sometimes we ought to see if the uh, show lines up with the national championship game and maybe look for other days. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great. Who do we got? Who do we got tonight? Abel, who do we got tonight? Uh, I'm going to take LSU on this one, but I don't really care that bad, to be honest. <laughs> we go. You're already getting applause. Nice. Uh, not, that, uh, not that you would ever be involved in such things, but uh, LSU minus the five and a half. Do you think they, they cover the, the five and a half? Um, I don't know. Am I allowed to comment on that? I think I think I think they do. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a blowout. Yeah. See, Scott, th- th- this is the problem we have. Not you and I specific. Well, although with this, it's hard enough to get guys to concentrate on just winning. You know what I mean? And just locking in. Let's just go find a way to win. Now we got to worry about. Oh, what's the point spread out? What's the? It's like, gee, man. Well, I mean, obviously you're not looking at your games like that. It's just. Oh, okay. Just looking at LSU and, and Clemson. <laughs> okay. Completely different sport. It is. It is a very different sport. You're right. <laughs> All right. So Abel Porter kind enough to join us. He'll uh, kick things off right here at uh, at Old Chicago. Uh, Coach, when you, uh, I remember last year when you talked about Abel and every game up until you made the change at point guard and put Abel in the starting lineup. You talked about how he just keeps doing the right things. He just keeps being in the right place at the right time and and eventually you gave him the starting nod and from New Mexico on it was off to the races. What was it about Abel then and what is it about Abel now that kind of uh, and we'll talk about Abel like he's not here in front of us right now but but what <laughs> was what was it about Abel that really led you to believe that this kid could be a really special player for you? Well, he just he's a he's a winner, you know, and I know we use that term some but he does. He seems to be in the right place at the right time and really um, understands the game and I think he has a really good feel for who he is as a person and a player and um, self-awareness is an amazing thing um, in anything that you do in life and Abel I think has very good self-awareness as to what he really excels in and maybe what he uh, needs to get better at yeah. and so he minimizes those weaknesses where it's hard to notice those uh, but he accentuates his positives and he's a very cerebral player he understands the game um, his teammates believe in him. He believes in them. And, and he's very accountable and dependable. And he spoke at a um, – we had a thing we spoke at, uh, I don't know when it was, September or October or something like that. And Abel and Justin both spoke. And one thing that Abel really said that he prides himself on is is being dependable. And he's like, I want to know – I want my teammates to know and I want our coaching staff to know that every day you you know what you're going to get out of me. Yeah. And and I think that's a great way to look at life is, is understanding who you are and being dependable and having great self-awareness. And then on top of that, he's a fearless guy. He's not afraid of – uh, a challenge. He's not afraid of the moment. 
and he's got great poise and composure that way and certainly made some monster shots for our team and made some great plays for our team um, in the last you know year or so. And so his first game where we played a ton of minutes was I think – or you got your first start against Colorado State at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that because your AU coach was at that game and we didn't tell him, but he was there um, that game. And then he never looked back. And obviously the game winner against New Mexico. But there were so many monster plays um, that Abel has made last year and this year as well. Uh, including, people forget about this, but our, our huge comeback against LSU, he's the guy that made the unbelievable pass cross-court to Sam. Uh, and Sam gets all the credit for making that three, which was a big-time shot, but it was a big-time pass that led into that shot. Uh, so let's talk about those attributes. If that's something that's always been part of your game. You feel like that's something that you've, has always been kind of your identity as a AAU kid and as a high schooler at Davis. Is that something that you've always taken a lot of pride in? Um, absolutely. I've always wanted to be consistent, but I think that uh, I've kind of evolved as a player too. All Division One college athletes, they were the best at their high school, and so it wasn't really much about thinking or anything you just got to go out and play and usually you were more athletic or uh, whatever it was but then uh, as competition starts getting stiffer and you kind of start playing against guys that are at the same level or better than you every single night and they're on your own team uh, you need to figure out ways to adapt and so um, for me it was these people most of my teammates and the people who are playing are more athletic than me uh, more talented than me and so I just needed to figure out a way that I could help the team and uh, in the ways that the things that I could do um, that would really show on the court so um, yeah I've always tried to be like that but I think it's gotten uh, more been more emphasized for me uh, we've we've uh, we've chatted a few times and and I want to make sure I get my history correct uh, you never played against Sam in high school but you did play on the same AAU team is that correct yeah that's right was uh, Celius on your team as well yeah we had Zach Celius uh, Dalton Nixon down at BYU um, Brock played with us a couple games so so you 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 were part of the Utah basketball scene in, in a big big way and and you've seen some of this talent and you know just how special the state is as far as producing basketball talent goes absolutely and I think I think we all take kind of a lot of pride in that uh, just building Utah basketball up and uh, you see some of these recruits are going to big places now and I think that uh, we really have like a pride that we want to show that Utah basketball is legit and put it on the map um, so what were some of those battles like back in the day in practice and and in high school and 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 some of those because knowing you guys and knowing how you uh, compete I know that uh, I got imagine got pretty heated back in the day um, yeah, it's funny because before me and Sam played with each other in AU, we used to play against each other. Oh, okay. And this was back when we were 10 years old, but I was number 15 and he was number 15 and he played point guard and I played point guard and I hated him. I knew he, <laughs> he was the kid with the all white shoes and I hated his guts. Uh, I hated playing against him. I always felt like uh, we kind of canceled each other out and we were going to go at each other. Uh, so then when we got on the same team, it was... Well, who's going to get number 15? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I ended up winning that battle because of my competitiveness, you could say. Um, But now Sam's number five. But, yeah, um, I think because we were such heated rivals and enemies, part of it is because we were so similar as players. Um, We both played hard, and Sam wasn't as good of a shooter as he is now back then, and we kind of just attacked each other. And then when we got on the same team, we realized, man, we're really similar. Yeah. Um, this could really work. And we became not only great teammates, but just best friends off the court, um, loves to hang out and spend time together. 
So when you uh, when you walk on at Utah State and and things aren't clicking as I'm sure you would have hoped and the playing time isn't there, was there a moment where you felt like maybe this isn't going to go for me, or did you always were you always able to keep your confidence up? Um, it's it's a roller coaster to be honest. I I'm usually a pretty positive guy, so yeah. Um, but I remember my first year I broke my foot and uh, didn't get to play. Broke it early in the year, um, and after that year I kind of thought. Maybe I'll give it another year. Because as walk-ons, it's kind of you have to think about it at the end of the year. You have to assess, is this worth it? Yeah. I'm paying for school, and I'm spending a lot of time playing basketball. Uh, am I making the right decision playing basketball? Um, so I really wanted to give myself uh, another chance. And that second year was a really big roller coaster for me. It was really hard. I didn't really know what to expect game to game. Um, I felt like I was trying to do the right things. Um, but, yeah, I just never knew really what was going on. And to be completely honest, um, at the end of the year, I thought maybe this is a good time to kind of call it quits. Yeah. I, I gave it my best effort. Didn't really work out. Like, no big deal. I tried my best. Um, but I thought maybe I'll wait till we see who's going to get hired. Um, just we'll see what's going to go on. And going into my first meeting with Coach Smith, actually, um, our first one-on-one, he didn't really know anything. He had just barely gotten into Logan. Um, he sat me down, and we were just talking, and uh, – he kind of told me that he didn't really know what we were like or what I was like as a player, um, but he promised me that he rewarded playing the right way and playing defense and giving effort. And those are the things that I really thought that I did do, um, but it never really earned any playing time or anything based off of that. And I believed Coach Smith when we sat down. And so when we went into the season, I mean, it changed everything. And yeah. to be completely honest, he kept his promise, and that is what he rewards. That's what he expects from his players. And if you do those three things, then you can earn playing time. You can earn time on the court, whatever you need. Coach, what were your early impressions of, of, uh, of Abel when you took the job? Well, when I met with him, he's, got, he's very articulate, very well-spoken, as you can hear. He's a highly intelligent guy and uh, able to do whatever he wants to do. Uh, in life, but he has a, just a good presence to him, and the way he he had a lot longer hair then. He was a little shaggy back then, but uh, so I was envious, uh, obviously. But uh, he he just has a way about him. He's got kind of a moxie to him, and he kind of has daring to him. You know, I heard Mike Shashesky talk about Bobby Hurley as a player, like to explain. He's just got like a daring to him, and you can kind of, you could feel that in our meeting. And that's why the first thing I did when I got hired is I met with every person that our guys have contact with, whether it's our academic person, the equipment manager, um, uh, I mean, you name it, I'm trying to think who else, but uh, the strength and conditioning coach, right, athletic trainer, everybody. And then I met with the guys and to get a builder relationship with them and get a feeling for them and have them get a feeling for me one way or another like there's a vibe when you meet one-on-one is this guy genuine is he real is he authentic or is he a fraud and so they're measuring us up and we're doing the same you know what i mean it goes both ways and relationships and so i had a great vibe about abel and it was a little bit of a slower start meaning we were kind of juggling three guys at that position and I, like I told I met with all three of them last year, Abel Crew and TK, and I was like, listen, I'm not sure I'm giving you any guy, any of you, I'm not, I know I'm not doing any of you favors, like, because they don't know when they're going in, when they're going out, when are they going to play, when, and Abel just stayed the course, and we had a meeting one time, and I just said, Abel, after one practice, it was the first game he didn't play, it was the only game he didn't play last year, Arizona State, and just said, stay the course, you're doing great things, uh, on the floor and in practice, I have a feeling things are going to really work out 
for you. And he just kept plugging away, plugging away, and and when his time came, he never looked back. And so uh, we could talk all day about Abel, um, but we're sure fired up that he's on our team. So I want to talk about uh, the locker room. You guys, uh, you had the three-game losing skid. You get the win against Nevada. What was the locker room like during that stretch, and, and how much was needed to, to get this team, uh, you know, getting that culture back to where it needed to be and, and getting that momentum back to where it needed to be? Uh, yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, I think for the most part, we were just humbled. Um, uh, I don't want to say that we got complacent or anything, but uh, sometimes you need to learn a lesson. And I yeah. think that we needed to learn that lesson. And um, I'm glad that it came this early in the conference because now we have all this time to make up for it. But um, I think it was just a good time for guys to kind of look in the mirror, uh, be accountable. We always talk about how you got to be accountable for yourself, got to be accountable for your teammates. And it was just a great opportunity for everyone to kind of look in the mirror uh, be accountable and think, what do I need to do? And then as a team come together and say, what do we need to do better? Yeah. Um, and it, to be completely honest, it, it was horrible feeling. Um, but the feeling that kind of came in that first practice after the Air Force game uh, was great. It was like you had kind of found yourself. It was like you had found our identity again. And um to be completely honest, I think it'll be a good lesson throughout the whole entire year. Um, there's going to be hard times coming, and I think that we're going to learn from this, and we're definitely going to grow from it. One thing I've noticed sitting courtside and watching a lot of games is is guys will jaw with you a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, and and you enjoy it, it seems like, and, and you'll fire back a little bit. But just what are some of those uh, interactions like out there on the court? Um, that you I, n- I that never you start share. any of them. I never. I'm never the first to say anything. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't really see myself as a trash talker or anything. But uh, I do find it entertaining yeah. um, when I do play against anyone that's talking trash. And um, sometimes they'll say some things that I think are funny. Uh, I don't know. I do. I do like talking to the other players. Yeah. Uh, whether it be friendly or not. Um, but I never really try and talk too much trash or anything <laughs> well hey appreciate it you're uh you're a great ambassador of utah state great player look forward to uh, seeing you the rest of the season and uh let's do it again soon all right thanks so much scotty you go, got ta- it. go tigers there you go <laughs> abel porter right here on the aggie sports network from learfield img college uh we'll continue on with coach next right here on the aggie sports network from learfield img Welcome on back. It's the Craig Smith Coaches Show as we are live here at Old Chicago. Big thanks to Abel Porter for coming by. Hard-pressed to find a better dude than that guy. Oh, he's awesome, man. And, uh, you know, he, he used to look, you know, the hair thing. Like he used, and he used to wear like a bandana. It was kind of a headband slash bandana. It was like the Karate Kid back in the day. <laughs> Just rubbing it in at that point. <laughs> yeah, he was. But uh, we're sure excited about him and and uh, I know he's going to have a great season here down the stretch, but he is a great ambassador, no question, to Utah State. All right, so let's talk about the Nevada game. Obviously, three-game losing skid. You come in, uh, you lead at the half, you push the lead to 18, win by 10. Uh, what was working for you against Scotty, the Wolfpack? Scotty, you and I are seeing a lot of each other here lately, aren't I know, we? I know, I know. I mean, two times in five days. I know. We had a noon luncheon today, too. Do you know about that? I did, I yeah, did. I see some repeat people here. They're, they must be really bored I, with I their like, lives. I like the release, too. They're like, <laughs> have, have lunch with Coach? Have dinner with Coach. That was perfect. Like, I mean, a glutton for punishment. Uh, but seriously, thank Thank you all for coming out tonight. This is awesome during the national championship game. Go Tigers. 
Go Tigers. That's the best imitation <laughs> I can give. <laughs> yeah. What are we going to do over there? And, over there. and my, my family, I got some of my family over here. My wife is here. Uh, my oldest son, Landon, he's a freshman at Utah State. Nice. He is a brainiac, by the way. I don't think he's ever. Have you ever gotten a B in your life, Landon? One? No, he's never gotten a B in his life. He's not like his father, uh, definitely like his mother. And Lauren's in the back. Lauren comes here more than anybody, and she's the queen bee of the family, runs the show. But um, where are we at? We can talk about a lot of things. Do we, Nevada. They don't want to talk about Nevada. <laughs> I mean, actually, we do. We want to talk about you the wins. wins. Yeah, yeah, the wins. Um, you know, I thought it was a great response. I thought our guys came out, played great. It was a fantastic showing by our fans um, that night. Um, um, and so it was exciting. You know, it was a. Uh, it's funny how this league is going to be this year. I said this. Um, obviously, San Diego State's one of two undefeated teams. But one of the things I said at the Mountain West Conference media days is the bottom half of the league is going to be much, much better than it was a year ago. And you know, San Jose, who um, I think has finished last, maybe I don't know how many years. Like whatever. Yeah, a lot. But the point is, they um, they beat New Mexico at home. Right earlier this year, they just beat Nevada. Nevada was undefeated in the league play. They beat them. A late three from beating San Diego State. Exactly, almost a borderline miracle three uh, that San Diego State throws in at the buzzer um, to beat San Jose at home. And so uh, the league's just—I don't know that anything's a total surprise this year, um, just because of the way it's going. And you look at the scores, and you're like, "Really? Did that just happen?" But that's college basketball, especially this year, yeah. more than any year that I can recall. So Nevada um, had just got off a tough loss, uh, but they were undefeated. They had won the Paradise Jam. Uh, they have three phenomenal guards. I mean, all three of their starting guards had scored over 30 points in a game this year. Drew, I think, against Utah. Um, Jalen Harris, multiple games in um, the Mountain West Conference Sixth Man of the Year last year, Jazz Johnson, uh, as well. And in, in, um, what's number two's name again? Harris. Harris. Harris yeah. had 31 against us last night. But, you know, it just got back. It just felt normal again for whatever reason. Uh, we got back to who we are, what our identity is, and, um, and you could feel it. We had two big-time practices going into that. And, I mean – Big time practices going into that to that game, and our guys just had an energy and an edge to them. Um, that, quite frankly, I felt well against San Diego State. We had a good look to us, but uh, maybe not so much the other two. But the point is, is we eliminated losing. We defended very, very well to hold Nevada to 23 points in the first half. And remember, now this is a team that's leading the league and scoring at 83.3 a game in Mountain West play. And um, to hold them to 23 was really, really good. And they had 46 with 5.02 to go. And then they, I think they had 24 in the last five minutes. But you could kind of – but it was twofold. Even going back and watching the film, it's not like those shots they made in the last five minutes were, like, wide open. I mean, with the exception of number 11 when Nimi was guarding them. You know, Nimi just bulldozed through Brock. You know, I thought he felt like he was, uh, yeah. you know, a fullback or, or whatever. But um, – but they had some really difficult shots in that last five minutes, and that's they keep you on edge because that's how they play. They have incredible spurt ability where they just 10-0 run like you know on the snap of a finger. And so, but we thought I thought we played with great poise, great confidence, um, played very connected on the offensive end, made 25 shots in the game, 20 of them were assisted. We had that one little stretch. We were up 6-0 right away. And then we couldn't score for Sam missed the wide open left hand layup. Yeah, you know we missed some just chip shots. Nimi, I thought passed up two 
just point blank shots and kicked them out. You know, just trying to make the unselfish play. Um, I was going to mention that on the post game. It seems like you were almost too unselfish at, in that game. At points, at points. and that's yeah. what I told Nimi when he came out. And they were doing a good job. Like we were hitting them on naked screen and roll, and their low hole guy was kind of coming over. But I thought he passed up two times where he could have just, you know, went and at worst got fouled. Yeah. And we've seen, knock on wood, that he's shooting free throws much better than he did a year ago. And so, but he just made so many selfless plays. Um, but I'm not sure. We I don't think we made any of those skips that he made. And then he was more um, active to the rim, 8 for 12 from the field, 19 points. So I thought we had a well-rounded effort, five guys in double digits. And, and those guys will get going. Like Diogo's been struggling a little bit shooting it. Brock has. Brock probably made his toughest three of the night, the first one in transition. But those guys have been shooting it much better in practice. So that, that'll come around here, uh, I would anticipate, very soon. What about, uh, and, and if you look over, especially in conference play, three-point shooting hasn't gone the way I'm sure you would have liked. Um, it, do, you, do you chalk that up as kind of just sometimes the ball doesn't go in the hoop, or, or, or are you concerned about three-point shooting? Um, I mean, you're always a little bit concerned, but I'm not concerned. Like, I know those guys can do it. They've proven they can do it. Um, you go through some stretches. Shooting is contagious, good and yeah. bad. Um, at times, I think we've taken some bad ones. Uh, not a ton of bad ones, but some bad ones certainly enforce the issue instead of sharing the ball and moving it more to get – sometimes you got to pass up an open one to get an even better one. And um, I'm not sure we've done that consistently, but I felt like we did that the other night yeah. much more so than we have in quite some time. So, you know, um, we'll come out of able. Uh, I don't know what he was the other night. I know he made a big one in the right corner in that second half. Uh, Abel's a good shooter. Um, and so – it's, I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah, if, he, if he's shooting a baseline three, you're almost surprised if it doesn't go in you know, with Abel other, Porter. Yeah, the other thing is, uh, no, he's very good at that in that spot. Um, the other thing is just the ability to get more rhythm, you know, some lack of playmaking. You know, Sam is a playmaker for us. Abel needs to be. I think Sean Bairstow, he's going to start getting more and more time here. You saw him the other night get 23 minutes, and I would anticipate that still going up. And Sean is a very good Despite his five turnovers, uh, he is a very good passer. And you saw some of that, especially the first half. He had, I think, two of them, the Nimi, that were just, yeah. I mean, just great setups for him, for us. And so, um, and Sam's been hobbled a bit. I thought he looked normal again last night. I thought he looked quicker, or not last night, Saturday. Yeah. It looked like he was moving a lot better. And then people forget, like, Namish is a great passer. Nimi's a very, very good passer. And in some of those off the ball screen roll, they lift and you're kicking it out. That's hard for bigs to do. Or when he gets the ball inside, and we call it a quarter turn, and he sees the whole floor, and when they overhelp or they come and double, he can deliver those passes. And Kuba can do that as well. Trevin's got to keep working on on those types of plays. And so uh, I tell Trevin, uh, about once every three weeks, I got to tell Trevin, you're not Magic Johnson, Trevin. <laughs> and so, and he's like, Who's Magic Johnson? Yeah, you kind of forget. Oh, how, yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't think he had any idea. So, um, so anyway, we'll we'll teach him though. Yeah, we'll, we'll get him right. So, uh, but you forget. And sometimes when you good playmakers, right, can help create easier shots. And um, and so I, I anticipate us uh, to keep climbing the ladder that way. 
It's the Craig Smith Coaches Show right here from Old Chicago. Uh, coming up in our next segment, we'll ask Coach a question. If you've got questions, raise your hand, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'll do that coming up in the next segment. Boise State coming up this week as well. But uh, more importantly, you got a week uh, in between games, and i got to imagine a team that's suffered as much as you have that people you know, can see guys are a little hobbled out there. I've got to imagine that's huge to have seven days in between games. If it's our bye week, do I got to see you on Wednesday again? No. Okay, good. Nope, Um, Nope, we're going to go a full week. A full week. Well, I mean, I guess counting today, not. Um, You know, it's a great time for our bye, and I I thought it was a great time for uh, Christmas break three weeks ago, Um, and and we're kind of back here again. But, you know, um, yeah, we got to get some guys healthy. I I thought the day out, you know, we had three games in seven days. I thought having off Wednesday was, was really good. And then, and now we took back-to-back days off. I think it'll be very, very good um, for us going forward to get to where we need to go. And then we'll throw in probably some new things um, offensively and tighten up some things defensively. Boise's been very good this year, playing very well um, since their holiday tournament in Hawaii. Um, and so uh, they just lost at San Diego State the other night, but they've been especially good at home, which you can say about most teams in our conference. So they provide a lot of different uh, issues the way they play. Uh, they got a guy, uh, I think his name is Derek Alston, who's yeah. potentially an NBA draft pick. Had a had a kind of a coming out party against you guys it, at Boise last he year. He was very good against us, and um, and so he's a he's a mismatch problem. I don't know what he's listed at. Probably six nine, six ten, six yeah. eight, somewhere in there. A little bit slender, but he just can score it in every way. Really shoots the three. Excellent pull-up game. Gets to the rim, and he's just kind of slinky. Like, he just kind of slides off you and kind of glides. Kind of plays a little bit like Kevin Durant. That's kind of how – I mean, he's not Kevin Durant, but that's kind of how he plays. And and then they got a lot of experienced guys around there that can really, really shoot it. So they put a lot of pressure on you, and they're especially good at home. But also, too, I mean, that's – I mean, you guys can take a nice, comfortable bus, drive up there. I'm assuming you're going to drive up there. Um, and then uh, – but you're not going to be on an airplane because the next two games are in are at home. So you get a nice stretch where you're not dealing with a cramped airplane. You're not dealing with, you know, security or, or late nights or early mornings or things like that. i got to imagine that's got to be helpful for your team as well. Yeah, I'm not sure the guys would agree with the four-and-a-half bus, hour bus ride, but I don't mind it. It's yeah, a I time don't. to kind of just – um, watch film and re- you know relax and kind of the team can kind of hang out together and and do that deal so it's good and and you're right we are looking for you know I, this morning Dar- Darcy had a, her niece was in town with her husband and I gave him a little tour of the um, the uh, strength and conditioning room the weight room the the athletic training room and when we walked in there there was three of her guys in were in there doing tra- Abel was in there this is about at ten. This morning, and he was doing some crazy exercises for his back and his legs and his hips and in the whole deal. And Nimi was in there doing his rehab, and Kuba was in there doing some of his rehab. And then uh, came over and showed him the Estes Center and the Spectrum. And Fonz was in there getting a workout. And I texted Bean, "Hey, make sure you do get your rehab done." And he's like, "Coach, I'm good." I talked to Carl, and I just got a great workout in. I'm pumped for practice tomorrow. So it's fun when. Um, when you have an off day and you see all your guys, um, what's the right, where they're not mandated yeah. to be doing whatever they need to be doing. They're in there getting their treatment taken care of right away in the morning. And, and, and they're in there getting their workout in when they can get a workout in. Marco is in, in the spectrum getting a workout in. And Marco, Marco's redshirting for us. But, um, but Aggie fans, trust me, they're going to love watching him play. Um, and his improvement has been incredible up to this point. But um, – 
So it's fun when you, and it's rewarding when you see those guys doing what they need to do to take care of their business. And, and we talk to our guys uh, at various times, like, what would you do if you're a professional? Because you see so many of these guys that come in, and their goal is to play in the NBA, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to play in the NBA. Well, what are you doing, and what habits do you have to get there? And it's always interesting because a lot of times when guys are done playing, you'll have plenty of guys that when they're on their – college team they don't get into the gym extra they don't put a whole lot of extra time in you know but then all of a sudden they graduate and you see them in the gym non-stop on their own and i'm like i, I just uh, i'm a pro now well <laughs> like make the big time where you are yeah you know what yep. i mean like and and that was one thing i t- was taught really young and i tried every day like when i go to the office or um, be a pro every day. And I always say, what would Mike Krzyzewski be doing? Whether you like Mike Krzyzewski or not, what would Roy Williams be doing? What does Tom Izzo be doing? That's that's my mindset. Not that you're going to copy them, but like yeah. just how hard they work and how they treat people and so on and so forth. And so, it, But it's always interesting. So we have that discussion probably three or four times a year. What would you be doing if you were a pro? What would your diet be? You know, are you going to be eating – you know, uh, we were giving roll crap about the Wendy's 4x4. Are you going to be doing that all the time? Or how much extra training are you going to be doing or lifting? Or, you know, just all that kind of stuff. What would your mindset be? And whatever you would be doing if you were playing for the Golden State Warriors or the Utah Jazz, you should be doing for the Utah State Aggies. Yeah. Right? And so it's all the same. It's all relative. And so it's the same thing with your treatment and, and taking care of your business that way. I have a uh, my co-host on my uh, daily show down in Salt Lake City. Uh, What's his name? Hans Olsen. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah. That guy. You shake that guy's hand, you're lucky to get it back. <laughs> the thing is, that guy like eats nails for breakfast. I know. And he, it's and unbelievable. He, but but he, he says all the time, like if he, you know, when he got into the pros and he played for the Colts for a little bit, and he said, if I could have a conversation with my college self, I could have been because he was an undrafted free agent and still made it in the league for a few years. He goes, if I if I could go back and talk to my college self and tell him you do this and this and this, you don't have to scrape as much as you do because you'll get drafted, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 that's why he goes. I always want to just shake these college kids and say. Don't work hard when you're a pro. Work hard now, and it makes it easier for you when you are a pro. Right, and you build all those habits, yeah. and you do that whole. So um, it's always good, and it's always good to hear from any time we have Utah, you know, former players in town. Uh, I love when they can talk to our to our guys, and they, they just get a different perspective, you know, from yeah. those guys. Or um, we had uh, – Oh, I forget his name. He works with the Miami Heat now, and he's he's like their number one marketing guy, and he designs all their T-shirts, and they, like he designed their championship rings. And he came and spoke to our guys after shoot round before we played Florida, and and that was so cool. And and he's I mean he's got style, you know, yeah. like all. And he's showing the rings, and all of a sudden, all the guys are like, "Oh my gosh!" Like you know, they're trying them on and looking at them, and it's really cool. It was great to hear his perspective. Um, that day so um, there's ebbs like Abel said there's so many ebbs and flows and ups and downs and a six month season there's a lot of things that goes on in your personal life um, and 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 so you're always guarded with that stuff and you're just working to keep everybody as motivated as you can but one thing I've learned and not that I'm an expert but like a coach can't want it more than a player or it's never going to be as good as you want but a player can't want it more than the coaching staff either or it's never going to be as good if a if you're as a father, if I want something more than my son or daughter does, it's probably not going to be. It's got to be that you know what I mean. It's got to be um, uh, in, an intrinsic motivational thing. Is that impressive? Intrinsic. I like. Are, it. Does that surprise you? I knew that word. Yeah. 
Yeah, intrinsic, extrinsic. So you got to be a psychologist and a sociologist at times too. But um, but I'm not sure how we got on this subject, I know. Scotty. We got we got off the rails a little bit. It's really bit. fascinating. But though. I tell you what, it is fascinating. I see a lot of head nods right here by Justin. How about <laughs> Justin? Hey, let's give a round of applause to Justin. He won the... Um, like coach of the year. Yeah, coach of the year. National coach of the year for Learfield Sports. It's like, that's a that's pretty prestigious. And so he's my boss. Fired up for him. That is awesome. Yeah, look at those three kids. That is awesome. We'll take a break. Come back. If you've got questions for Coach, if you want to get them off in left field, uh, you know what? You can do it as well. Uh, we'll have the open mic coming up next with uh, Coach Craig Smith right here from Learfield IMG College. Welcome on back. You're listening to the Craig Smith Coaches Show right here on the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. All of us keeping uh, one ear on the show and one eye on the uh, national championship game. Uh, still no score between LSU and Clemson. Um, that's funny. I got both ears on you, and I got both eyes on the game. There you go. Well, that's, say, that's probably that's better. What I got. It was uh, a rough day in the Smith household yesterday. I mean, the, Aggie, I the I, Aggies won, so that was good. I wasn't going to bring it up. But the, Vi- the Vikings on uh, – that was a rough, rough thing. And then to make matters worse, the Packers won. So that was tough. And they beat the Seahawks. Like, we were all pulling for the Seahawks. I mean, Bobby Wagner. Yeah. But, I mean, and we got a Packers jersey over here, number 12. Good gracious. Well, as a, as a Broncos fan, I'm not happy seeing the Chiefs there, and I don't know if anybody's met, touching those guys. They just let it fly, man. They, <laughs> spot, they spotted the Texans 24 and just said, no big deal. Calmly scored on seven straight possessions, I think, or something like that. But I, I told my family, or, or we always thought, it was like, when Mahomes got hurt early, everybody stopped talking about the Chiefs. Yeah. We call them the chefs. Yeah. And, and then, you know, now they're, but the Titans, got to watch out for the Titans. They're tough, man. Well, got to I mean, beat the Titans to beat the Titans. I mean, they're your old school blue collar yeah, lunch I mean, pal. Just rolled kick. through their first round playoff yeah. game, Scotty. No big deal. I mean, it's like, <laughs> all right, we got we got a question for Coach. Go ahead, sir. Okay. Every time I turn the TV on, they announce that we're the second tallest team in the country. Yeah. How come we're not pounding it inside every time? Well, um, Clay Stahl hasn't played for a long time. Kuba was out with an appendectomy. Nimi didn't have. I mean, Nimi's played though at seven games, so that's three of our three of our guys. So it's funny you say that because I was going to tell our guy that keeps spitting that information out. We got to stop with the tallest team thing. Uh, and then we got a uh, six ten and six ten and a half freshman who's redshirting right now. So that's another guy that's out of the equation. And then we have a six five six six guard that's 225 to 230 pounds. That's the Virginia transfer, Marco, who is sitting out as well. Uh, and then we have another 6'5 guard that's sitting out as well in Carson Bischoff. Carson might be 6'4", 6'4 to 6'5". So we've had a few um, issues that way with the whole height thing. So, and it's amazing because I rewatched the, the games, right? And most of the time I get the games, well, they, I always want it with audio. And of course, when I get the games with Scotty, he doesn't say that, but the 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 other guys do. And I'm like, never say that. And we're playing, you know, against Florida. Oh, they're the tallest team in the country, and Justin Beans are center. You know, (laughs) it's like, yeah, (laughs) you know, our power forward is Brock Miller or Diogo Brito, however you want to want to look at it. And I'm like, yeah, we're the tallest team, but we're playing the shortest guys. So, um, but that's. You know, the other game, Nimi played, I think, 28 minutes. Kata played 28 minutes, and Trevin played. And we played a little bit of small ball right at the end when they had four, five guards out there. 
But, you know, there was a little stretch there where we were getting out-rebounded. That's always been our forte. No matter where I've been as a coach, we've always rebounded very, very well. And so, you know, I, I certainly, like we talked about last week, as a coach, you got to look in the mirror. Maybe I'm not setting our guys up for success as well as I need to either. And, and you could see we almost always play Nimi or, or uh, we played Keita or Trevin Darius, you know, the for that whole time. And I think that helped with our rebounding um, piece of things. And we'll get Bean back to full strength, and that'll make a major difference as well. And then Fonz just got to keep on going. Any other questions? I'm so glad you asked me that, though, and reminded me of that because I – uh, that I'm starting to get just like, just stop. I think Kyle's going to get a text here pretty soon. <laughs> I didn't uh, name names, but he's here. <laughs> <laughs> we got another question. Go ahead. What are the keys to beat Boise State? Like it. Hey, I want to thank you, ki- all you kids right here for coming out and all you kids coming out. Like that's That fires me up when I see young kids come to these kind of things and come to our games and – and because, you know what, I hope someday if you want to be play for the Aggies or be at Utah State, I hope that all works out for you. So thanks for coming. And what did you say? What were the keys to, to beat Boise State? Well, uh, we got to defend and rebound, and I know we always say that, but they, they just have so many guys on the floor, and they can really mismatch you in a lot of different ways. So they put you in some tough positions. So we got to really guard. We can't let them just go crazy from the three. And then we got to play Aggie basketball, which is, you know, play very, very tough, um, be the first on the floor, diving for loose balls and and communicate well, like talk to each other and help each other out on defense, especially. And then just play together, like be a tight team and and really share the ball. And, and winning on the road is not easy, especially in the Mountain West Conference. So we got to, like we always tell our guys, like, our unity of purpose has to be our biggest strength, so we got to play together and have great chemistry and teamwork. Great question. Uh, that another, was awesome. Another question here uh, from uh, the uh, Coach of the Year. <laughs> How are you, sir? This is going to uh, be scary. Good. Love listening to you guys. Uh, <laughs> actually, now there are two questions. First time, long hey, time thanks for yeah, Thanks for not having us in the uh, back room tonight. We appreciate that. <laughs> we love being out here where we can see everybody and enjoy the festivities. We try our best. Um, but, yes, now two questions because you uh, uh, brought out all the kids, and uh, we do have a lot of kids out here. It's awesome. Um, my nine-year-old uh, asked this question, so I need to look to you for your expertise. I'm listening. I, uh, count, I count 11 kids in here. It's awesome. Who, who would you say is the greatest NBA player of all time? Because kids at this age are always talking about that. So I and it took me a long time to warm up to this because I was always a Magic Johnson fan. See, um, because and here's why I loved watching him play is he was always smiling, yet his, he all he cared about was winning, and and everywhere he had played, like high school, uh, college at Michigan State, and then five championship with the Lakers in his rookie year. Um, when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar rolled his ankle or whatever, and he missed game, I think, six, he started at the – he was a point guard, and they started him at center, and he had he, – their team won to win the championship, and he had 42 points, I think 13 rebounds, and like eight assists. And so many guys or kids get caught up into, I'm a point guard, I'm a foreman, I'm this, I'm that, instead of just being a player. And that was what was cool about Sam Merrill the other night. He had 12 points, which is, 
you know, five or six points under his average, but he had eight rebounds and he had eight assists. And if his teammates would have made a couple more shots, he would have had like 14 assists. Yeah. So I'm going to say, but that being said, I would say Michael Jordan. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, you went he, all that way and then like, eh, I did. Michael. No, it's my, because I told you it was so hard for me to get to this point in my life. Like, it's a little bit of a, like, ugh. But, I mean, I just I always go by winning, and sometimes you're stuck on a tougher team, like you know. But he went, he went from obviously very talented, but cut his sophomore year in high school, and didn't let it define him. He kept going and persisted through that, and didn't let him get it down. I'm sure it was a a tough time for him, but he persevered and kept plugging away and kept working hard. So if you if you have a dream as a person, like don't let anything stop you. That's and let you know. Don't be unethical, like whatever's morally right. But but if you have a dream, don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. And I had a, a, a saying in my room, growing up, and it said, um, "It's not enough to have a dream unless you're willing to pursue it." So you have to have your dream, but you got to do whatever it takes to pursue it. And I still think about that daily. It's not enough to have a dream unless you're willing to pursue it. And and so I would say Michael Jordan, because. He had to plow his way through, beat the bad boys, the Celtics, and then the bad boys of the Pistons, and, and then he just kept going. And I, I could tell you, literally talk here for 30 minutes about stories I've heard from Ron Harper, who played with Michael Jordan those last three championships. And the things that he says about Michael Jordan are off the charts in terms of his, certainly his competitive spirit, but his work ethic in what he did to get to that point. I think there's a lot of Michael Jordans out there talent-wise, but not with the work ethic and the drive. And I know Michael Jordan's a very sore word in Utah. Yeah. Because when I bring up Michael Jordan, Sam Merrill and Abel. Because he, he did push off. Well, he, no doubt, but they ain't calling that. Let me tell you, brother. No, no. <laughs> like, so that's the first question. What's your second one? Um, no, it's a perfect segue to the second question. Um, when you're, uh, you know, coming out of our three-game losing streak, um, when things aren't going the right way, what's your process? Like, what do you do to right the ship? If it's offense isn't, you know, jiving or defense isn't doing its thing, what do you do to analyze and then reach the guys? Well, every game and every practice you try to reflect on, are we setting our guys? So the first thing I do, especially when we lose, is I, I take responsibility, like, did I did I have a Did I have the guys ready to go mentally, physically? Did, how was our game plan? Um, did we overwhelm them? Did we not do enough? Did we have enough competitive practices? Have I been communicating enough with the guys? Do we have the right system in play? Are we doing enough? So I I try to take full responsibility, and and certainly I'm not perfect with that. Um, a lot of co- like like a lot of coaches, a lot of people, a lot of players like to play the blame game. It's not my fault. It's your fault. You know, always put it on the player. And and so you got to look inwardly first and foremost, I think, as a coach. And, and are we setting our guys up for success? Um, but then you look at the grand scheme, having relationships and I, knowing our players the way we do. And why isn't this guy performing to the level he, you know, can perform why is this guy accelerating so well why are we you know what i mean and i, I look in lineups uh, a, a great movie probably my my second favorite movie and it took me a long time to get this out of my number one slot um is the movie miracle and i've t- maybe talked a little bit about this movie before but and i grew up in minnesota but i'm not a hockey guy 
So I went and watched that movie just to watch the movie because you love sports and the competitive spirit. And literally I was bowling like three different times during that movie. And I went back and watched it the next day. And I learned so much as a young coach watching that movie with Herb Brooks and their team. And, you know, what team do you play for? University of Minnesota. What team do you play for? Boston College. And they're doing all those sprints. Have you seen? Who's seen the movie? Don't ignore me. Who's seen the movie? Right. Miracle. Yeah. So they're doing the sprints. And the, finally, the, you know, the assistant Craig is like, eh, and he's like, again, again. And we had, we had four guys from Mayville State at our game the other night yeah. and they all came we talked on the court after we left the interview for literally 45 minutes I was like oh so what are you guys doing going down to Salt Lake City tonight because one of them lives there and they're all staying there they're like no coach we're coming to your house I'm like why are we talking for 45 minutes on the floor if we're coming to my house so they all came to the house and had a lot of fun reflecting but um um, it's like Herb Brooks said in that thing, like, well, we know, he goes, I already got the team. And he goes, we're not looking for the best ones, Craig. We're looking for the right ones. And I firmly believe in that, like chemistry and guys that are going to really thrive in Cash Valley and, you know, in our style of play and, and, and make an impact at Utah State. So, um, uh, so what do we do when we have a streak like that? I just think you reflect on a lot of things and, and – um, um, and then you also got to challenge them too. And a lot of our issues were certainly stuff that I had to be better at. Maybe you inf- in- inject a guy like Sean Bearstow, who's certainly keeps climbing to get better. That gives you a little different, maybe gusto. You know what I mean? Because the guys believe in Sean. Um, but then you got to hold him accountable too, and and challenge him. You know, and we have great character, and and we laid it out there pretty pretty hard and we're getting the one minute thing here so um i know my and my wife's giving me the hook so there's a lot of things we could talk all day about but at the end of the day there's a lot of trust in our locker room and and we trust each other and that's what got us out of it coach i will see you in boise you don't have to see my mug until uh until saturday are you riding the bus with us i'm not i'm gonna drive up separately all righty well thank you everyone for coming out and This has been the Aggie Coaches Show with Coach Craig Smith, brought to you by Ford. Go further. H&R Block. Block has your back. New York Life. Be good at life. And by Old Chicago Pizza and Taproom. Cash Valley's Pizza and Craft Beer Authority. The proceeding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Aggie Sports Network.